listening to Bose Podcast, the official podcast of Bose Cavern, Ottawa's premier upscale drinking society. Now here are your hosts, Matt and Taylor. Hi, Billy Bo, and welcome to the show. Last time I said we'd be back with another episode, and here we are to prove me right, so... Welcome back, world. Yes. Bose is back. Welcome back. Welcome back to a very special Christmas episode. So, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, or should I say, bo, 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 Berry Christmas. Bo, 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 Berry Christmas. No, I shouldn't I shouldn't say it because it's lame. A very special Christmas episode. I mean, it, it, the Simpsons are blossom. This is our very first episode of 2023. 2023. Here we are. Who'd have thunk, eh? We, we made it. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, who'd have thunk? <laughs> Not me. Not me. So we're coming to you, of course, after Christmas, but we're still doing a Christmas episode because, well, hey, we gave you a Halloween episode in January, right? So <laughs> we're just... Uh, not too good keeping up with the holidays here. Or we're just redefining the calendar. Well, let's go with that, sure. That makes us sound less lazy. <laughs> but uh, in the vein of uh, talking about Christmas episodes, we're going to talk about the very first Christmas episode on The Simpsons, which actually happens to be the very first episode of The Simpsons, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. But before we get into the episode, uh, I'm going to do a little roundtable here. So I'm Matt LaFrance, and with me is... Taylor Mitchell back once again hey world glad you're back taylor and of course over in this corner here we have our producer kevin valentine yo how's it going well i guess you already said and no episode of bo's podcast would be complete without a drink and for that we're going to turn to the maestro of mixology adam lafrance hey adam what's up so yeah our last episode halloween one a little late in getting that uh, on the streaming service there, but the I don't. Did anyone ever watch the show uh, BoJack Horseman? Once nope. or twice. Once or twice. Okay. Well, there's one episode where Todd, the guy living with him, who has all these weird ideas, he comes up with the idea of having a Halloween store that's only open in January. So it's not totally unheard of. Halloween, January. There. Well, as I recall, wasn't January when Homer gonna Homer was gonna sell his uh, his pumpkin shares? That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's a link. We're, we're, we're stretching, but it's there. And we're going to get this one out quicker, right? Yeah. Oh, let's hope. No, just kidding. <laughs> we'll get it out sometime before, you know, Christmas 2023. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll get it out sometime before the next uh, Class 3 kill storm in Ottawa here. And until then, we're well, going to be tomorrow. So. <laughs> keep the Christmas spirit alive. But uh, I think we've had a Class 3 kill storm warning every Thursday and Friday for the last, like, five or six weeks now. Yep. Oh. So about that almost, yeah. There you go. Just to give you some perspective, the people at home, what it's like in Ottawa. <laughs> Which means we're really going to have to rush this episode out. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if we have any listeners in like Florida. <laughs> <laughs> now you feel our pain. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about Simpsons. We're talking about Christmas. We need a drink, I think, to get things going. So Adam, our resident mixologist, what have you brought for us today? Is it Christmas themed. Well, how did you know it is Christmas themed? I'm just really good at guessing. All right. So should I tell you about the drink? Should I just ramble aimlessly? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> All right. So, Don't you uh, ramble every time, though? I can. Yeah. And but, eventually we get to a drink. Yeah, but there's no promise I'll get to the drink. We've been recording for six hours and we still haven't got to the drink. This is heavily edited. <laughs> so the drink. Shall I tell you? Yeah, no, I changed my mind. Go away. Give us the drink. Give us the drink. (laughs) So much hostility in these podcasts. We are both brothers. It's to be expected, or so I was told. 
I'm noticing it as a podcast theme, just podcast in general. Seems a lot of hostility out there. What happened? Where's the love? That's all I'm asking. Where's the drink? Not what you drank already. That's, that's what the rest of us are asking. So this episode was season seven, episode 23, Much Apu About Nothing. And Homer told Apu, you must love this country more than I love a cold beer and a hot Christmas morning. I decided, that sounds like that should be a drink. So I made a Christmas beer. And it's so you're like, well, configure Homer won't just drink a regular beer. He's got to drink something special, something fancy. So, of course, we make cocktails here. That's what it did. So what was in your Christmas beer? Oh, that's an excellent question. Well, it started with beer. Used a dark stout. Usually, have we done that before? We have. Okay, then. We have. I'm a big fan of the dark stouts. The, uh, the Irish drink, I believe. Or... Oh, yeah. The, that was like the what started it all. So. I'm a big fan of the dark stouts, especially in the winter. It's a, a, a nice it's a nice i don't know it's <laughs> i i get it i yeah. I, t- I can't do stouts during the summer i agree but you know like a, like a nice guinness in the winter lovely yeah that's summer big... summer i want to do like a lager or a pilsner or something like that stout that's definitely a winter drink yeah. and i mean st patrick's day falls still in winter so mm-hmm. good time for a guinness no that's an excellent point taylor i wish i had mentioned that in the video but uh well time makes fools of us all it's a little <laughs> late for that now I'll but do. yeah you know a stout you missed for, the boat on that one yeah a stout for uh you know Christmas and winter, so stout makes sense for a winter drink. You know? mm-hmm. After that, uh, we I try to add like Christmas flavors. So I thought of you know like oh gingerbread, so I added some uh, ginger ale, get that ginger flavor. I thought of okay, well like uh, you know people uh, put like cinnamon in that, so do the sprinkle a little cinnamon, added a candy cane, little always nice to add a little garnish, and uh, we did like a car bomb where I uh, had some peppermint uh, Bailey's, and then drop that in, drink it quickly. I recommend. Definitely drink it quickly, um, but I have to say I really enjoyed this drink. It was a controversial drink. <laughs> Definitely. It I, was... think, I think I might, might have been one of the bigger fans, but it actually did have a nice kind of Christmassy taste to it with the ginger and the cinnamon. Um, I, I thought that was really nice. I thought it worked really well. While I wasn't a big fan of the drink, uh, it did totally have the, the Christmas flavor, the Christmas vibe to it. So. But how do you feel generally about the Irish car bomb? Like, as a, I have no as strong feelings about it one okay. way or another. It's always been kind of one of my favorite drinks to have in a bar, you know, to do to do as a I, I mean, you wouldn't call it a shot, but a, no, no, I get it. Yeah. 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 As a group that you would all order. I don't know. I thought this was like a nice kind of seasonal take on that. So two bows up from me. Now, uh, I did want to bring up we had some controversial news about the new uh, guidelines for alcohol. Are we in uh, business? So they're now recommending a maximum of two alcoholic drinks per week. I was thinking more that they say no amount of alcohol is safe. No, al- no, no amount no of alcohol, alcohol is safe. Yeah, but no, yes. no alcohol so isn't the recommendation is zero? The recommendation is zero, but any more than two a week is considered risky. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to delve more into, into virgin bows. I, I like that. I mean, like, have you seen the new mocktail stores that are... There's one right downtown, and I go by it when I get off the train. And Arts. it's it's for uh, apparently, you know, the the newest generation of of young people is not really drinking the way generations past happened. So they're actually coming up with these specialty stores for, you know, interesting types of of mocktails and and alcohol free. Like I don't even know what to call them, but alcohol substitutes. Yeah, you know, I always found it interesting how millennials weren't continuing certain trends of previous generations. And so there were people always saying, you know, oh, millennials ruined this. Oh, millennials ruined that. So now it's uh, Gen Z that's ruining uh, drinking. So as a millennial, you know, I think we've ruined um, we've ruined everything from bars of soap, I've heard, uh, because we prefer liquid hand soap, uh, to napkins, because we just like paper towels, to the game of golf, 
to motorcycles to chain restaurants. And maybe we can add drinking to the list. Although I think it's really more Gen Z that's kind of given up on alcohol. Well, you also ruined home ownership, so. <laughs> it was ruined for us. <laughs> well, I, I Touche. Do to, I do have to say, looking back at past generations, I don't think the problem was they weren't drinking enough. So it's hard to be mad about this one if, if alcohol becomes less popular. So what I'm hearing after this news is that, you know, the suggestion is that we need to treat alcohol the way we treat cigarettes. We need to put cancer warning labels on it, which I mean, I I don't know exactly when we started doing that with cigarettes, but you really don't see that many people smoking today. You know, young people, older people, sure. But um, it's weird to think, you know, maybe drinking will one day be the new smoking, something that really is kind of going away as time goes on no i mean i think some of the thing with smoking was obviously with secondhand smoke there was great need to move that from indoor places and just by limiting all the places you actually could smoke and suddenly it's like you can't smoke anywhere inside you have to smoke outside that that just i don't know ruined it for some people and just from there the trend went that there were maybe fewer people than picking it up i don't know but like it's not the same thing with the drinking because there's no like secondhand effects there. So. Okay, so secondhand I, drinking <laughs> well, can get drunk just by are, you know being next to somebody who's there drinking. There are secondhand effects of drinking. Uh, they are called yes. drunk driving accidents yes. and fetal alcohol syndrome. But yes. but that said, you know I was in high school when Ontario banned smoking in public places, and so I really don't remember too clearly. You know, like back when you would go to a restaurant, and it would be the smoking section, the non-smoking. Like that was really. Like that, like I was quite young when that happened. Now, when I see people smoking, I'm, I'm, I always kind of do a double take if it's a young person. I was actually in a meeting, um, like a, a Microsoft Teams meeting at work, and the other person in the meeting was in their own home, and they were smoking a cigarette during it. Wow! And at oh. first, I was thinking like, oh my god. <laughs> They're smoking a cigarette. And then I thought, well, it, it is their home. I, I guess yeah. that's actually not that strange. But I really did a double take like just seeing that in a meeting because it's it's not something that I ever would have seen in an office entering the workforce when I did. That's true, yeah. Uh, well, when I was in high school and I did a co-op program at um, a tech company, they did have a smoking room. And I can remember, and it had like one of the little sideline um, windows there. And I can remember just walking past and you couldn't see anything in there because it was just a thick blue oh. cloud. Oh my God. <laughs> but well, that- here we are in, in an office building. You couldn't smoke at your desk, but just go down the hall and there was a room that you could laid up with everyone else. Well, the, mo- the most recent for me was, I guess, uh, I went to Japan in 2016 and they still have like smoking sections inside of restaurants. Um what I learned is that that it's not enough. Like I was in the non-smoking section, it didn't make a difference. I was still like, you can still smell it, you can still breathe it in, you know. At my age, when I just started going to bars, was just around the time they still had smoking in bars, and then they got rid of it not long after that. Well, I was a waiter when the smoking ban came in, so I worked for a few months before the ban came in, and so I was there then when there was suddenly the shift. And at that point, the restaurant had a bar section that you could smoke in, and then the dining section you could not. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, nope, no more smoking in there. You're moved to out on the patio. 
You could still smoke on the patio at that point, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> but yeah. I was there to witness firsthand the transitions. So maybe uh, millennials killed, you know, the, well, that's what we're accused of. We're going to kill all the bars and restaurants because of uh, smoking bans. That never happened, of course. There were a lot of bars that claimed that they did go under because of the smoking ban. I don't believe that, but maybe it's like they cater to an older clientele. And so as soon as those people couldn't drink and smoke at the same time, it's like, business did go down but no obviously that was like 20 years ago when there are still bars i was gonna say my grandfather was a city councilor uh way back when and um rumor has it he didn't really do a whole lot (laughs) but uh apparently he did once give an impassioned speech in defense of smoking at the legion (laughs) so it's uh you know everyone has their hill to die on i guess they you know, may uh, blame millennials. Another thing they killed is, you know, bars, restaurants, just because of smoking just in general. But I guess at least both have them keeping drinking going because so far there's still alcohol. We're not killing the bars yet. We're keeping drinking going, but I don't know about you guys, but I have to say, like, this news that came out this week, it is making me think a lot more about, you know, just casually ordering a beer with dinner or I mean, I've, I've never been one to really drink at home. Um, I'm, I'm very much a social drinker. But it's something that I think I am going to start thinking a lot more about because I think, I mean, am I just really getting enough out of it to, uh, for it to be worth the the cumulative damage that can apparently come from it? Well, I did notice, uh, so we did obviously have a drink tonight because we did Bo's video. We did. But it's been, uh, it's been like over two weeks since I had an alcoholic beverage. And just because, yeah, I'm like a try, it does make you kind of question it where it's like before you're like, yeah, you're at dinner. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I might as well have a beer or a glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. And it does kind of make you second guess that option. Yeah. Well, for I mean, sure. you know, think about The Simpsons where Marge was saying, doctors say you should drink a glass and a half of wine a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, well. I was thinking about that this week. Um, it's, it's crazy how, how things change over time. Well, back to smoking. I mean, doctors did recommend smoking at one point, right? Yeah, true enough. I was also thinking about Homer watching TV and seeing the ad that says that, uh, excessive alcohol use can cause liver damage and cancer of the rectum. And then he, he just goes, "Mm, beer. (laughs) Although there's also the, um, eight glasses of gravy we're supposed to drink today or, (laughs) You doctors have been telling us to have eight glasses of gravy a day. So I'm going to go with that, yes, drinking might be the new smoking. We're obviously not going to ban drinking outright. I think we have seen that there's been some people who have taken this a bit to heart and have cut back on their alcohol consumption. And maybe we treat it like cigarettes in that you have the warnings there. Like you have the information there for people and you let people make their own judgment call up to them what they want to put in their bodies. Will it reach a point where they'll have to have the alcohol behind a, like a, well, the way the cigarettes are now. Where you can't see the labels. Yeah. Or where you can't see the, well, the alcohol. Or, so what they'll do is we, they'll have the- We already the... have that. It's called a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, but you, you <laughs> yeah, that's true. But usually they're see-through or well, they're, they're clear. What we'll do is we'll have all the beers there, but we'll take all the labels off the beers. And so it's like mystery beers. <laughs> You don't know is it a getting. Heineken? Is it a Moosehead? Who knows? Some things man's just not meant to know. <laughs> okay. Did you guys see this um, this video that was going? It was going around the internet this morning. It was someone being interviewed um, outside a beer store about yes, I saw yeah, <laughs> what he he bought and how he felt about these new recommendations about alcohol. I mean, the whole video is is hilarious. This guy is 
you know, made for social media in 2023. <laughs> but my favorite part is, you know, when the person asking the questions, the interviewer, he says, well, are, are you concerned when, when you hear that you're only supposed to have two drinks a week? And he went, two drinks a week? Well, that's just not feasible. Not in this country. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, as you say, you know, you can't get a buzz on two drinks. <laughs> so you know it's four drink minimum, right? <laughs> um, I was once at the Grand Canyon, and I, I always remember the, the server just going, and remember, it's a two drink maximum, you are on a cliff, and then walking away. <laughs> so I'm just going to point out that we are actually supposed to be a Simpsons podcast, and I think we spent the last 20 minutes talking about the... Uh, the new drinking guidelines and uh, it was a good 20 um, minutes it was a good 20 minutes but uh, how are we talking a little bit about the simpsons so well, i said that uh, we were doing a christmas episode here we we're going to talk about the very first christmas episode simpsons roasting on an open fire i guess i'll just give a synopsis of the one we are talking about it starts with the christmas pageant afterwards they go to the mall to do their christmas shopping bart gets a tattoo because all the whatever the tattoo is just asked are you 21 it's like yep yeah, okay get in the chair <laughs> he gets the tattoo which you know, pretty cheap to get a tattoo is like 16 bucks i don't know where yep. bart got the 16 dollars from but cost then 200 dollars to have the laser remove it which was all the savings they had for christmas homer at the same time is not getting his christmas bonus at work so it looks like christmas is canceled and it ends up with homer taking a job as a mall santa where then he takes his money to the track on Christmas Eve, loses it all, but gets Santa's little helper. Well, first of all, this is how they get you. Like, they sell you a tattoo for 16 bucks and then charge you 12 times as much to remove it? Are you saying that there's maybe some collusion <laughs> between the tattoo parlor and the tattoo removal office? At the risk of a rush to judgment, there is 100% some collusion going on here. I agree with you. This stinks. <laughs> Well, just for a frame of reference, so I got a tattoo two weeks ago. So what is this? Thirty-three years later, maybe. Well, yeah, just just over that, and uh, it was over five hundred dollars. Now this is Canadian money, but it really gives you a little snapshot of inflation. Okay, so I'm gonna say though that your tattoo was probably a custom one, and the one Bart picked was one of their just generic ones, right? And so. it was small. Just a little about the title of the episode: Simpsons roasting on an open fire. Which actually sounds like a horrific title. Yeah, for <laughs> sounds like more for the, the Treehouse of Horror, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it actually didn't well, say that. That they had the title card listed as Simpsons Christmas Special. The Emmys they submitted it twice, including in the category of miniseries or special. So it's almost like it's both series premiere series and premiere. and uh, it was a special at the same time. Double their chances at the Emmys. Well, maybe it, maybe it was. Was it just supposed to be special? Because no. No, oh, okay. It was the supposed Simpsons to be were short, so it wasn't actually supposed to be the first episode. The first episode was supposed to be some enchanted evening. Uh, that's the one where Marge feels neglected by Homer. They plan a night out, I guess what you'd call date night now, and oh. they hire a babysitter who turns out to be the babysitter bandit. <laughs> oh, and the, yeah, that was the season finale. That was the season finale. That was yeah. the thirteenth episode of the first season. That was intended to be the season premiere. Oh. And what happened was there was problems with the animation. They saw some of the initial scenes animated for that. And James Brooks was not happy. He may have used uh, some expletives. The <laughs> head of the animation studio, Klasky Kuspo, head of that animation studio, Garbon Kuspo, him and uh, James Brooks almost came to blows, apparently. Wow. Yeah. He 
saw the the animation and it was just not up to what they expected so there's now some clips available of it so you should give it a watch and it's just the simpsons has somewhat a realistic animation quality to it like it it obeys the laws of physics Mm -hmm. structures are rigid in that it's it's not like you know looney tunes with you know eyes popping out or also the fact that i I found their uh, mouth movements to be much closer to realism than say looney tunes was you know Mm -hmm. yeah so if you look at the animation style that was done for that initially yeah it had more of a rubbery pliable mm-hmm. more of that kind of style and it's like no that's not what we want at all so that got scrapped the series was originally supposed to premiere in the fall and mm-hmm. the christmas one was supposed to be the eighth episode oh, okay so it got delayed and that was released december 17th 1989 which makes it the only simpsons episode that was in the 80s <laughs> ah yeah Interesting I, trivia. I, I like, I'm going with, you know, 1990 does not count as part of the 80s, you know, no, even though there's no year zero. But I always like to bring up when this episode is discussed that I was born in early 1990. And so this episode is actually older than I am at the age <laughs> of 32. I well, like the- to bring up that uh, when this episode came out, I was about the age of Bart. Ah, And now yeah. I'm closer to the age of Homer. So... <laughs> How's it you're, feel? It feels terrible. I mean, I'm also so closer you're, you're, to the age of Homer than the age of Bart. I, I think I just turned the age of Homer. Uh, well, Homer's no, one year older. Homer's age has changed yeah. over the years. He has been 39. 35. He has been 38, 39, yeah. 40. It, it has changed. It has was not. he ever 40? I thought maybe 39 was the I believe they had away. an episode where he... It was his 40th birthday or something. But anyway, it has, uh, it has changed, whereas Bart has always been 10. They did an episode where a where there was a documentarian following them, like not just Homer, but all the kids of Springfield, and he would check on them every ten years. So it was implied because they started when they were uh, ten. Every eight years. Every eight years. Yes. Oh my bad. So I was implied that it's like okay, well, if you do the math, then he should be forty by the last time he checked. Yeah. Other than that, they've ne- they've always been. He's almost forty. I guess it puts things in perspective for me from a time there. But. Marge has always been, I, for, for some reason, the, the numbers that I have in my head are Homer is 36 and Marge is 34, but always a little bit younger. And yet, weren't they in the same grade in well, high school? Well, that's the they thing. The that, grade. Yeah, they should be the same age. They should have been in the same grade. Unless graduate. Marge skips grades. Well, or Homer a, failed grades, which is probably more likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible, too. That's a good point. <laughs> I think that's the obvious one, that Homer failed uh, once or twice. But then I think the age gap got even more, because I think it was Homer was, yeah, 39, and Marge was 36, or I don't know. It's it's So the problem with The Simpsons, of course, in all the years it's been on, is the timeline has obviously been uh, very fluid, and they're a little weak on consistency. So. Sure. First they were young in the 70s, and then they were young in the 90s. And now I guess it'd be the... Um... The Oddies. Oh, the Oddies, yeah. <laughs> so young, maybe the, next, episode, maybe the next flashback will be young Homer and Marge at a My Chemical Romance concert. The show started out... Nickelback. <laughs> the show started out with them being baby boomers, then they became Gen Xers, and I guess now they're millennials. Now I they're don't millennials. Know. Yeah. So I don't know if the show stays on for many more years. They'll be uh, Zoomers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But back to that, uh, so Some Enchanted Evening was written by Matt Groening and Sam Simon. It was expected to start off the new show in September, and because of those problems with the animation, everything got pushed. So now we only have 
one single episode of The Simpsons that was ever in the 80s was written by Mimi Pond, who was a friend of Matt Groening. So as I understood it, she's a cartoonist and a humorist like Matt Groening. And he went to all his cartoonist friends and asked, do any of you want to write an episode for the show? And she was the only one who said yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only episode she wrote, though. Oh, okay. So I don't think it was intended, of course, that she was going to be writing the very first episode, but that's just how things worked out. She said, though, that she was not offered a staff job afterwards, and that's because of Sam Simon, who apparently wanted an all-male writing room. As really? it should be. <laughs> wow. And apparently she even said this, it's because he was going through a divorce at the time. Wow. wow. Oh, my God. He's not bitter. No. So... I, yeah, that... Th- that attitude didn't age super well. Like even in eighty nine, that was not acceptable. <laughs> that you, level no. of sexism, what that level of misogyny. About? I think we can all agree that women don't belong in the workplace <laughs> and that they aren't funny. <laughs> Note the silence from the, um, the men um, in the Actually room. I was going yeah. back to our last episode. Remember when I'm, Adam I'm wanted to, to call no. <laughs> Our last episode, we had the conversation where Adam was talking about our uh, our fan base should be called stalagmites or whatever, <laughs> and uh, it's like uh, it was like, well, if you have to explain it, to which you said, you know, you have to explain all your jokes, so I guess they're not funny. So I mean, you did come out and say, you know, well, I guess I'm not funny then. Okay, are you being sarcastic, man? I can, I can live with this. Okay, <laughs> we we all accepted, but we all accepted that uh, our fan base are believers, right? I'm a believer. Matt, I thought I ha- only had to explain it to you. I assume our fans, you know, were on the same page as me when I said stalagmites. You have stalagmites and stalactites. You know, one coming from the ceiling, one coming from the floor. Why did you pick one over the other? Oh, I could go with either. I, uh, wait, wait, which are which are which again? I, I want to say the mites are coming from the top and the t- no, no, the stalagmites. Uh, so they rise around. from the floors. No, I don't think reason, he had any logic to it. My reason was because I forget which one is which. Stalagmites, <laughs> stalactites. It's like I, I'm on Taylor, like Taylor. It's like which is which. I don't know. Okay. I could go with either one. Right, so I, I feel like there was an episode of the Magic School bus that cleared this up, but probably. I might have to revisit it. Yeah, I don't know. Is there a Schoolhouse Rock about that? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't know. I, no, I think they, I'm dating myself with that no, reference. No, they, they just dealt Everyone with the U.S. Constitution. staring at Matt right now, dumbfounded. Magic School bus is not a recent reference either. It's so. more recent than Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> They've parodied Schoolhouse Rock on The Simpsons. They've never touched Magic School Bus. So. Well, it's because Magic School Bus is sacred and Miss mm-hmm. Frizzle is a deity at whose altar we should all be worshipping. Amy's not on oh. a mic right now, but I feel like she agrees with me. Damn millennials. <laughs> this is Amy Jensen LaFrance, and I agree with Taylor. She agrees with Taylor. So are we just going to take that audio clip and you're going to play it any time? <laughs> <laughs> I could get use out of that clip. It's like, just what do you think, Amy? Play clip. <laughs> have a soundbite, yeah, all the time. Yeah, you just Kevin, have I'm that gonna, on your phone, I'm ready gonna, to go. I'm gonna need that ready to go, please. Okay, I'll get it ready. Music to my ears. There we go. Girl power. <laughs> and that's why we need women in the workplace. That's why we've we come, don't. We've come full circle, everyone. <laughs> That's why we don't need women in the workplace. You form a united front. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Of course, we need women in the workplace. But she did say it was uh, a terrible experience writing. She had no interest in going back. I guess she just wanted to be asked, though. Or she probably did want a job just like, hey, steady paycheck, right? It's it's a cool opportunity. Um, I mean, at that point, you don't know what the show is going to become. But 
you know, I imagine if you're struggling for, you know, if you're struggling for work, you take anything that you can get. But, you know, even so, writing an episode, it's it's a one and done, right? You, you don't have to continue if you don't want to. It seems like a great opportunity to just do something. And with her, look at how it worked out. She ends up with her name on the inaugural episode of yeah. the longest running primetime show ever. Besides, would you want to go back in such a sexist environment? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That sort of uh, makes me curious, though. Then what was what was the next woman to write an episode? I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. Um, Research. Research. <laughs> Google that. <laughs> Who was the second woman to write for The Simpsons? We All have, right. We have so- research back. So according to our research department, the second woman to write for The Simpsons was Jennifer Crittenden, who wrote the season six episode And Maggie Makes Three. So Crittenden wrote four episodes from The Simpsons from 95 to 97 and co-wrote the 22 short films about Springfield. Okay, so we didn't get another female writer on The Simpsons until season six. And the episode was And Maggie Makes Three. Does it surprise anyone that that was written by a woman? No, not at all. That's... That's... Possibly yeah, one, one of the most heartfelt episodes. Yeah, that's the one that ends with "Do it for her." Yep, exactly. Yeah. No, it was an absolutely uh, excellent Sorry. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a little like the Christmas specials here. You know how we were talking about on the Halloween one, Treehouse of Horror. They did that every year. The Christmas specials were very infrequent. Like it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the first episode was a Christmas special. We didn't get another Christmas episode until season seven, mm-hmm. and part of that was because the first one a lot of the writers felt was so solid and no one was up to the challenge of trying to top it. So it was a bit of a third rail kind of nobody wanted to go there. I have a confession to make, which is that I find the first three Christmas episodes, so which of course are the one that we're talking about right now, March Be Not Proud in season seven. And I believe it's called Miracle on Evergreen Terrace. That's correct, yeah. Season 10? Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. I find all three of those really hard to watch because they all seem to follow a pattern of Bart screwing up and ruining mm. Christmas for everybody somehow and having to deal with the disappointment of, of that screw up. Like, especially March Be Not Proud. That episode, I don't know why. It's just, I find it so distressing when Marge is kind of pulling away from him and being distant. It's... Uh, it's it's hard to sit through, and I I that pattern really kind of persists through those first three Christmas episodes because even in the beginning it wasn't maybe the main focus, but Bart getting the tattoo, which mm. then requires the use of the family's Christmas money to get it removed, um, and then of course yeah, so I guess it was Bart's fault. Yeah, exactly, and <laughs> no, then and then and then the fire that he started in the season nine episode. Yeah, it's just right. I don't know I. Well, I, I, find, I find them all a little bit hard to watch, and I actually rarely watch the, the, them. I do. Actually, same with me. I rarely watch them. The one the one I watch the most is because I just find it funny and silliest the most is Funzo. Yeah, I yeah, actually uh, agree. Rift of the Magi. And we were talking about this with a Halloween, how it just became a certain point where the Simpsons quality started to go down. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of us say around like season 11. Yeah. At least it's season 11 well, for I, me. I think like, like season 10, up till season 10, it's solid. And then season yeah, eleven is kind of spotty, and then season twelve is where it just goes downhill. I feel, I feel that um, season ten is like solid all the way through. Yeah, and it was the last season to be that way. Yeah, and then season eleven, it's you start to see some of the the kinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. And Grift of the Magi was in season eleven, mm-hmm. and it was a good one. In fact, I think of all the Christmas specials, that one's my favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. same here. Yeah. And and then after that, no, forget about it. 
Uh, I there's, like there's that. A, there's a I later... like the snow one, like where they're all snowed in. I mean, it, it, it's decent. It's and it, the, uh... and I, I like that because of the throwback to Mr. Plow. There's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> there's You're a wearing later, the jacket. There's a later Christmas episode. I couldn't even tell you what season it was. It's, I don't know, probably in the 20s. But it's the one that it, it shows their Christmases through the years. And then it tells uh, a, a Christmas story when the kids are grown up and have kids of their own i actually quite enjoy that one yeah okay i can't remember what it's called well i mean yeah no i'm not saying that there's no good episodes after season 11 <laughs> it's just the consistency is not I there find, of course well what i say for the later seasons are there are some diamonds in the rough yeah um but that's sort of how i feel about in fact i was thinking like between seasons 14 and i don't know 20 or whatever it is um, you could probably get like a single good season out of all the good episodes out of that, and that's it. Like you wouldn't be able to. <laughs> and and that's the problem is that you then have to sit through a lot of the weaker episodes yes. in order to find the diamonds in the rough, which yeah. a lot well, of people are going to just give up, myself included. Maybe it's better just, just go to IMDb and get the uh, rankings. Or the... <laughs> I've actually been wanting to do that, like find the highest rated episodes from the seasons that I've never actually watched through, and then just marathon those. Is, I think yeah. that'd be I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I don't know. How about we we do that and we a podcast about it i love it yeah yeah sure. there we go we have a topic for a future podcast i did not think about that that it was bart that ruined christmas in this episode it was i guess a little more obvious watching marge not be proud and mm-hmm. miracle on evergreen terrace but it's obvious here yes he went and got a tattoo and they had to waste all their money but he he had good intentions when he did it when he got the tattoo yeah because he thought that Marge would like it because he's getting mother tattooed on him. It's the and best she, gift a mother could get. And it makes you look so dangerous. Yeah. So, I mean, he <laughs> had, I mean, he had to know, like, she wasn't actually going to go for it. But on the surface, he had selfless motives. I think it's the, um, the seeing the scene where Homer comes home and he sees Marge holding the empty jar, like, upside down and just looking so forlorn and just thinking, like, that sucks, you know? Like, you want to be able to give your kids a nice Christmas, and then all of a sudden, you can't. You have no money. Like, that's just... Seeing the look on her face just always bums me out. Yeah. I'm going to go with, in the other two, his acts were clearly selfish. Yeah. You know? yes. Oh, he wanted True. that video game. He stole it. Um, he wanted to get up early before everyone else and unwrap his gifts in that and... Started Actually, a fire. So when you think about it, though that um, the the one where he started a fire, uh, there was no redemption in that one because there wasn't Marge be not proud because he went back and got the photo, yeah, and did a nice thing. But in the one where the fire caught, he never got to do a nice thing. No, so actually, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing resolves with all the townspeople <laughs> taking, taking all their yeah. furniture. <laughs> that episode was described as it's a wonderful life in reverse. <laughs> it sounds about right. Like, I, I feel like, you know, Bart is the one that caused the problem, but very quickly it became the family against against the town, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so the focus was kind of taken off him pretty quickly. But you're right. There was no redemption there. Yeah. But we had redemption in this one because at the end they get Santa's little helper. Aww. Yeah. Which right. actually, so back to the order of the episodes, that's why you see a bit of a continuity error in season one in you know, which episodes have Santa's little helper and which ones don't. Uh-huh. So. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, was there a bit of foreshadowing when Homer was buying the uh, the toys and having a dog's toy? I don't know if there was, but there could be. There could I don't know. Be. It's like, I mean, he meant it for the kids because you couldn't afford anything else. You know what always bugs me is how he opens it to squeak it and then puts it in his cart when it's already open. 
Yeah. Why? I guess Why he, open it? I don't know. Uh, to, to try to hear what it sounds like, maybe? Eh. <laughs> Although a squeak no. is a squeak. I so. think it was just to show to the audience yes, that it was a yeah. squeak toy, right? So, I don't know. I can also tell you, having worked retail for 10 years at Walmart, is that even if somebody opens something to see what it looks like, there's no way they're taking the open box and giving it as a gift. <laughs> they're going to leave that there. Oh, yeah, and true. take the nice... The nice sealed Actually, up one and give that one. Most of the times you need like scissors to get in those things anyways. Yeah, true enough. But I, people people find their ways. Well, I suppose, yeah. I guess another continuity thing I knife. continuity so, thing I noticed is so if you go and watch some enchanted evening when Marge is feeling depressed about her life and she calls the radio station and talks to Marvin Monroe. Well, there was already an episode There's No Disgrace Like Home when where they all go in for family therapy for oh, to Marvin right, yes. Monroe, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it does not turn out well. So yeah. the fact that you know she would call up Marvin Monroe for marital well, advice yeah, there, sure. it's like, okay, well, you already went to Marvin Monroe, and you realized he's not very helpful. Yeah, and that's true. So, and then he dies, I, or supposedly, and then he dies. But no, he no, he, he, he comes he, back he later. Oh, I, I was supposedly. very sick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else with this episode? We get a lot of characters who become a regular part of Springfield introduced. We get Grandpa. We get Patty and Selma. We get Mo the bartender. Mr. Burns and Smithers. Mr. Burns. Uh, we get Smithers' voice. Uh, Smithers does not appear oh, right in now. person until episode three. And then he's black. That's <laughs> yes. true. Which was a coloring mistake. And they said, Matt Greening said they didn't have the budget to fix it. So. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So was it just the one episode? episode that he was it was just the one okay. episode. Now, so it's not that, you know, that's how they had the character design and then they decided to change it. It's just they always had a design for the character and the colorist just messed up. So so other characters we had, we had we had Ralph, we had Millhouse, we had Skinner, we had Sherry and Terry. What I found interesting about Patty and Selma was you know, how they call and they said they're looking forward to coming over and they come over before Christmas and then they're still there. And that I think it gives the impression that they traveled from out of town. Well, Homer asks them how their trip was. Yeah, yeah. So... Oh. So th- lived, that, that's a bit of a change there, yeah. They lived uh, out of town at that point. Yeah, they didn't live uh, in, in Springfield. Sorry, you said Millhouse was in, in Millhouse, yeah, yeah. When was he? Was he just? He was the, the one that actually dared Bart to go sit on Santa's lap and pull his beard. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Millhouse was a bit of a hellion, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Was, so, I mean, <laughs> it changed. He was, he was the bad seed. <laughs> <laughs> was it also the first appearance of Flanders or uh, Flanders as well? We got Ned Flanders and we got Todd Flanders. We got no Rod Flanders. Hmm. And the thing I noticed about Ned Flanders is he's not very religious in it, is it? Like, look at the Christmas decorations he puts up. They're mm-hmm. all secular. He's got like Santa. It says Merry Xmas. Later, it does when say he, Merry Xmas. When, yeah, when he bumps into Homer and they drop all the gifts there and then they all go on their own way, he says Happy Holidays. Ah. Right? Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that now would have made him public enemy number one on Fox News, right? Part of the war on Christmas. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that... Flanders almost, he almost comes off as a bit of a, a bit self-absorbed. Oh. I, well, I mean, I mean, kind of in this episode in particular, I mean, he comes across like he's obviously the more successful of the two of them. You know, he has the nice Christmas decorations and he has all those presents that he's giving his family. But he almost seems completely oblivious to the fact that right next door, 
Homer is struggling, you know, when he has the lousy Christmas lights and he doesn't have very many presents and Homer's going, you know, they're all your presents. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, I don't know. He kind of comes off as a bit oblivious to all that. Uh, the way that Todd, here's your pork chop, Mr. Simpson, <laughs> right? That seemed a little, I don't know, rude. The yeah. way he did mm. it. So it, it's clearly not the Flanders that we all know that we're used to. No. no. So, I mean, the characters are going through some evolution there. They're there. We got Barney as well, mm-hmm. right? Although they changed the design of Barney there. I think it they just, just his hair? It's just his hair, hair. He had the blonde hair, but it's like the same color as his skin. Mm-hmm. And then I think they made the rule that only the Simpsons have that. Right? It's only Bart oh, yeah, and Lisa yeah. that have where you can't tell where their hair begins and their skin ends sort of although, look. Bar- although with Barney, you could tell because he still had like that hairline. Yeah, he still had, a hair he still had the hairline. Yeah, but it was the exact same color in the, the skin. Color. So, I mean, yeah, that changed up. I have to say, one of my favorite Christmas movies, although I think some people call it like an anti-Christmas movie, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which came mm-hmm. out two weeks before this one. Classic. Oh, really? And I think. There's some similar plot elements, like Homer doesn't get his Christmas bonus, same thing with uh, Clark Griswold, and so it looks like that is going to ruin Christmas. I don't know, I just, it came across there. Same thing like when he's putting up the lights in that and it's a bit of a disaster, (laughs) the lights up. I don't know. I I just, I saw some similarities between the two, so. But I have to say, I think just The Simpsons in general and the time it was released, Maybe it goes to there's no other show like it at the time except maybe for like Roseanne mm-hmm. and that, you know, mm-hmm. the depiction of the working class. And I mean, look here. The plot is that the loss of $200 was enough to completely ruin Christmas for them, mm-hmm. right? That they're that on the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like what we were talking about when we were watching it and we were thinking like, you know. Do they not have credit cards? Like, do they do they not have any way to kind of stretch their budget even further? And, yeah. you know, that speaks to what you're saying is that they this is a family that really has no wiggle room when yeah, they mean, have an emergency. But a paycheck, yeah, paycheck to paycheck sort of thing. Pay, yeah, paycheck yeah. to paycheck. Yeah, but, but I mean, it doesn't make sense when you think of look at the house they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like the, uh, well, was, the, the Connors and Roseanne. OK, like it's, I think, easier to except their financial situation there. I mean, in terms of working class families, Homer is employed in a job which you know requires a high skill set. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the education. But later in uh, Homer's enemy, it's established that uh, Lenny and Carl both have their master's degree. Um, Homer even has to go back to college or go to college for the first time to get certification. So, I mean, like, it can't really be, I don't know if we can consider it a working class, but they have then the working class family problems. So. But in the episode Much Apu About Nothing, which of course is the source of our beverage this week, um, we see Homer's pay stuff. Good callback. <laughs> Thank you. And we see we see how little he's earning. Although, hate to be one of those people, but you realize that it was a later episode that he got a job as a nuclear safety technician. For uh, the first season, he was actually just a blue-collar worker. He just did manual labor. So at the time, he, he didn't have that sort of high-paying, well, supposedly... In the real world, it'd be a high-paying job. I don't know. The as f- we saw from his paycheck, uh, he's getting screwed. Also, we have determined that the episodes in season one were in different orders. So who knows what he might have been the Christmas Christmas one? I don't yeah. know. I like I don't I don't know what order they came in, so I don't know what they had in mind, mind you. 
we know he got the house because Grandpa sold his house, which he won on a cricket game show in the fifties. <laughs> but still, they have a big Is, home. Isn't that how one gets into the housing market these days? You have I to win a only, house. I think on, it's the only way. I, I mean, I don't think it's a crooked game show these days. I think now it's just reality TV. That's that's why millennials have such trouble getting into the home market is because we really clamped down on crooked game shows. <laughs> yeah. I recall a recent winner of Survivor, which is a show I don't think I've watched in 20 years, but I saw a winner in the news saying, well, maybe now I can buy a home in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I I mean, a million bucks, that's still not going to get you very much. No, no, it's not. (laughs) I'm going to say another interesting thing about the production of this episode. So some of the scenes were laid out by Eric Stefani, the the brother of Gwen Stefani, who yes. did help establish uh, the band No Doubt. What? Yes. That's no, quite, I wow. I learned this. I learned this recently. I was listening to an um an interview with Gwen Stefani and she was talking about how her brother wrote for the Simpsons and I did a double take cuz I had never come across that factoid before. Uh not wrote for the I've Simpsons, he was an animator. Sorry, animated for the Simpsons. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. So uh, he studied animation and he was working part-time between animation and music until he quit the band and went full-time on animation which was just around the release of tragic kingdom oh rough time to quit (laughs) yeah in (laughs) fact she had to fight to get him included in the cover photo for the album oh it's a nice sister but if you look at the album when stefani's up front everyone else is in the background and her brother his back is turned to the camera so (laughs) wow well, I think it was his choice on that one, Signals His Departure. But sh- she said he should be included because he put a lot into the album there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he did help form the band with Gwen and uh, with uh, John Spence. The three of them all worked at Dairy Queen <laughs> and then formed the band. So that is a solid album. And um, what's interesting is later Homer Palooza, which he animated that one, uh, no doubt was not one of the bands, but they were apparently in the background. He he put nice. them in. So That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Were there other background bands that we may not have paid attention to? Well, I know. To we'll have to go and look at the episode. Interesting. I think we were due to do a, um, a music, a music based episode. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. agreed. Yeah. So it'll give us an excuse to rewatch that episode and try and uh, <laughs> see what little uh, bit of uh, Easter eggs are in the background, I guess. Nice. I don't know what else we can say about that episode. I mean, I really, I think it's a good way to get The Simpsons introduced there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was a good Christmas special. I think it stands out among television Christmas specials, right? Yeah. I'd say so. I mean, it's not one of my favorites. Like I said, there's later ones that I I prefer. Now I'm trying to remember which one it was where Krusty had that one line about have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah. That was Funzo. Uh, or that was, was the, the Funzo one? Yeah, that was, yes, that yes, was yes, the Funzo yes. one. Uh, a crazy, crazy Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, a tip-top tet, and, and a solemn and dignified Ramadan. Ramadan. And now a word from my God, our, our sponsor. <laughs> and I think that's one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's why, yeah, Grift of the Magi is probably my, my favorite the, uh, Christmas. Even, even the commercial where it's like, Funzo, Funzo, if you don't have Funzo, you're nothing. <laughs> I mean, you got to have the Bone Storm commercial too, though. What's that, sir? Buy me Bone Storm or go to hell. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the thing. That's, they have great commercials on this. <laughs> that's part of why I don't really like that uh, Marge Not Be Proud episode. I, I mean, for one thing, I get it. Christmas is commercialized. Fine. But that was just really in your face. <laughs> and I don't know. Just that idea of such, how do I put it? That type of marketing towards mm-hmm. kids, I mean, kind of turns me off that bit. And then also, like, just everything with Bart there, like, stealing. Like, I, I don't know. It's just the whole 
the way Marge reacts to it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she does that like bedtime routine and then she suddenly doesn't because of the tension between her and Bart. And it's just this whole, I guess I want to say like loss of innocence kind of thing. And I don't know, it just, it it hits me and I, I, I get very uncomfortable watching it. So I think that anyone who's ever had that moment where they, they disappointed their, their mom or their parent just feels that on the inside. Like, Everyone knows it's worse when, you know, when when they're disappointed than when they're just mad. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing I'm not about mad, that, I'm just disappointed. That episode was written by Mike Scully and that was based on a real life experience for him when he was 12 that there were other kids shoplifting and he was pressured to shoplift too and he got caught and so he took that experience in the episodes. Did it turn out the same way or <laughs> I'm not quite sure. You'll have to ask Mike Scully <laughs> I... if he's listening. Mike, are you listening? <laughs> I never shoplifted as a child, hopefully for lots of reasons, but I always think that one of them is having seen this episode when <laughs> yeah. I was so young and seeing how affected Bart was by by the consequences of that one act. So The Simpsons helped keep you on the right and narrow path then? I might be one of the only people that can say that, but yes. Uh-huh. Which is so we, ironic after all those parents said it was a bad influence. Especially like uh, what George Bush said, right? <laughs> what would, Bar- you know? yeah, what would Barbara, Barbara Bush, Bush say? Yeah, 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 yeah. what would Barbara Bush say? Well, I, you know, I think you just proved the Bushes wrong. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Screw to say, the Waltons. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, for me, or not just for me, for everyone, I think it helped ingrain in the cultural zeitgeist the Jingle Bells Batman Smells song. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people think that it originated with this, and it didn't. It can be traced back to the mid-60s when the adam west batman tv series was yeah, on it's, it's probably like something... in, i think it originated in southern california but yeah yeah and there's probably something that sort of spread throughout the schools and everything with yeah, yeah. but but this then... you know suddenly here it was on tv and yeah. you know millions of people were exposed to it yeah and just decades later there's this impression that the simpsons came up with it and they didn't but they did popularize it and then the song was later revisited in the show in season five in the casino episode where it was sung in Bart's Treehouse by Robert Goulet. What about the um, when they sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer at the end and they're like a light bulb, exactly. you know, like Monopoly. <laughs> I remember I that. N- I remember that. So that was so pervasive when I was in elementary school. I don't know if that was if that predated uh, this. Not so much. I, I definitely the Batman smells. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, not so much that I don't think is what we had like in elementary I, school. I do remember that very much in school, and I'm sure like I don't think it originated with The Simpsons, mm-hmm. but again, I think it's The Simpsons helped propagate it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, people had just seen it. It was it became ingrained. Did we figure out who Mazzola is? No, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to Bye, say Mazzola. when I said that. That bit was pervasive when I was a kid through school and that. Not that line. Yeah, not no. that part. <laughs> not that line. <laughs> Certainly the, like a light bulb and like Monopoly, but, but. I think I heard the, actually, to be honest, uh, growing like up. George I Washington. Think, growing up, I think I heard like a light bulb, but beyond that, I don't know if Monopoly ever came into it or anything like that, you know, sort of thing. When, when they got to the, you know, joining any reindeer games, you didn't hear that one? My memory's terrible. Who are you people again? <laughs> Poor Kevin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You turn right. 40, that's it. It's done. <laughs> it's all downhill from there. It's all downhill. <laughs> so what's everyone's favorite Simpsons Christmas episode? I said for me, it's Grift of the Magi. Do you guys have one I out think, of the... 
I'm going to second that, but I also yeah. enjoy the episode where the kids are stuck at school, which I can't remember the name of right now. Yeah. But I will always appreciate it for the Class 3 Killstorm yes. lingo, which I trot out far too frequently, <laughs> yeah. especially this winter in the city of Ottawa. Okay. Skinner's sense of snow. Okay. That's but, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that weird Grinch ripoff there. <laughs> Whatever that was, I don't remember what they called it. The movie that they watched. Oh, um, yeah. About a Grinchy little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it's all black and white. Yeah. And and I think the that's projector stagehand. Ca- <laughs> Love that bit about when the projector catches fire. Should have got a DVD. DVD. This is this a DVD. Is- <laughs> <laughs> it's on fire. <laughs> and the, there's the disc on fire. <laughs> so yeah, that bit and, and I- the, the throwback to Mister Plow. I did like that episode and the Killstorm reference. Yes, I don't like the sound of that. Class three. <laughs> so that was maybe one I good also one sort of amongst used, the you know whatever there, season 12 was there are a few quotes in the episode i use one is uh, shoulda woulda coulda <laughs> um another one is uh let's leave this awful place and never come back <laughs> okay so i think we've been going on for a while so how about we wrap things up with a little trivia sound good i'm ready because yep. you know I don't we got to do i trivia. don't think we can wrap up without trivia so okay so we're going to do, maybe I'll do just like the first two Christmas specials. First question from Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. What did Lisa want for Christmas and what did Bart want for Christmas? And I see Taylor's hand. Okay, I kind of forget what Bart wanted. Oh, no, he wanted a tattoo. That's right. He wanted a tattoo. And Lisa yeah. wanted a pony and she wrote it like six or seven times. Yeah. Yeah. and Which seems excessive. And the whole Lisa wanting a pony thing was ongoing in the show until she actually got a pony and then they just kind of forgot about yeah, the fact that Lisa likes pony. Yeah, after maybe, she gets a pony, that's it. She doesn't want a pony anymore. She real, well, no, she, but well, she realized how much of a financial cost would be to the family. So she never asked for it again. Yeah. I guess Lisa's responsible. Yeah, she's... Uh, yeah. Okay, so Bart wanted a tattoo for Christmas, uh, and which, of course, he went on his own initiative to get one. Yeah. Where did he go to get his tattoo? <laughs> Oh, um, I wish I paid more attention to visual cues. It um, might have helped if you were like facing the TV when we watched it. Well, that's true. <laughs> just for the record. <laughs> yes, well, Taylor, you were. That What's your help. excuse? I that would have help. no excuse. Kevin's excuse is, you know, peripheral vision and uh, <laughs> bad memory. So. That sounds like I'm getting older. Well, are we going to chalk this up to his advanced age? Yeah. yeah. So, right. Well, you know, Kevin, I, you know, I, I, I may be 40, this is but awkward, I'm but. <laughs> Okay, it was the Happy Sailor Tattoo Parlor. Oh, Happy Sailor. Where they have very rigorous uh, verification process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the family has no money to buy decent Christmas. Can I point out that they left their Christmas shopping till right before Christmas? <laughs> yes. Well, they're waiting for the bonus, I guess. I had the same thought. Like uh, Homer Homer got paid from his, his Santa Claus gig on Christmas Eve. What did he expect to do with that money? I know. Where was he going to go? That's true. <laughs> Like, the mall that he worked at was, was closed. closed. <laughs> what was going to be open at that time? Your kids but, well, I think it's yeah. on them for not paying them till the Christmas yeah. Eve. So, I don't know. Maybe if they had started their shopping sooner, they wouldn't have had that problem. So, you say that it's like Bart that ruined Christmas. I don't know. I think it was poor planning on Marge and Homer's part. <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can put Everyone's that on Everyone's at fault. Everyone's at fault Lisa. except Lisa. Yeah. And Maggie. And Maggie. Speaking of all of them. So when Homer goes to, I think it's called the Circus of Values to shop for gifts, uh, what did Homer buy? Okay. Marge got pantyhose. Practical and alluring. <laughs> Bart got pads of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie got a squeak toy that looked like a steak. 
pork chop. Sorry, a pork chop. And Lisa got nothing. Nothing. Bupkis. Poor Lisa. He never mentioned Lisa. Oh, what? middle child syndrome. Oh, yes. Poor Lisa. Yes. <laughs> what? Wow. Poor Lisa. Yeah, There'll think, be no sweater for little Lisa. <laughs> I think this is my fourth question here. So at the, the racetrack, Santa's little helper was a late replacement in the fourth race. Who did he replace? Sir Galahad. Very good. What were the odds? Uh, Santa's little helper? Yeah. Uh, 99 to 1. Yeah. That would have been a good payout. 99 times 13 equals Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check the math. Yes, that answer. Okay. <laughs> That's correct. That's what says on my calculator. Okay, this is going to be a difficult one. At the dog track race, who were the other dogs? Oh. So, I mean, I start off is with... Is that the announcer? Who did Barney say that they, they, Homer should bet is? Whirlwind. Whirlwind, yeah. Oh. Do you remember any of the others? They I, s- I do not. No? Okay. Kevin? No. I None of them? So, there was Quadruped, <laughs> Dog of War, Fido, and Chew My Shoe. Wow. That was not in my head at all. Was that was that only mentioned when the announcer was saying and and coming up the band? You know? Uh yeah, I think it was at that point. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. When Homer is in Santa training and he has to list the name of the reindeers, who does he say? You all seem like Homer trying to think of the <laughs> names. Well Dasher. Yeah. Dancer. Yeah. Prancer. Yes. Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Comet. Comet. Cupid. Hmm? Donna Dixon. That is absolutely correct. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> Kevin, she's leaving in the dust. I know. Jeez, Ivan. Okay, we'll skip ahead. I think I'm to having the... a caffeine crash. <laughs> <laughs> we'll skip ahead to Marge Be Not Proud. Okay. So when Krusty is having his Christmas special, you know, in his own home, of course, right? <laughs> uh, who shows up at his door? Oh, um, I'll give it to Kevin, well, even though you can, didn't put your hand up. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, go for it. Is it Tom Landry? Yeah. Respected private citizen oh, Tom, Tom Landry. <laughs> and South American sensation Shushisha. <laughs> Shushishu. Shushu. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. That'll do. <laughs> it was spelled X O X C H I T L A. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. It was, it was a South American sensation. It yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. It was. You got that absolutely correct. Okay. And you recall the game was Bone Storm, which Bart really wanted. Uh, Millhouse got a copy of it, though. When Millhouse entered his name, what was the name? Okay, I saw Kevin first. Thrill Ho. Thrill Ho. It meant to be Thrill House. He wanted Thrill House, but yes. it became Thrill Ho. And it became Thrill Ho because of the character elimination. Uh, just just to show how, that, how long ago this is, was yeah. where you know video game memory was. Well, better yeah. than three characters when you can only do ass. Just remember, if you can't handle me at my mill pool, you don't deserve me at my Thrill House. And the last one I'm going to ask. Everything's coming up Mill House. The last one I'm going to ask here, when in that episode, when Bart has a vision of juvenile uh, detention um, and they give out some Christmas gifts oh. there, what were the three gifts they gave out? Taylor. Okay, Bart got a soiled wig. Yes. A book of carpet samples. Mm-hmm. That was Nelson. And uh, they, they were like old newspapers. Yeah, can you remember specifically what? No. Like, getting a little help. <laughs> Kevin, do you remember? Take it away, Kevin. <laughs> I I can what see what the, you're doing over there. Is that the Van Buren look? 
Jimbo gets a March 8 newspaper. Oh, March. Well, how's March, it? March, Mar- March 8th. Yeah. March 8th. <laughs> well, that's a sign for Van Buren boys, you know. It's a- <laughs> Wrong show. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Show. <laughs> yeah, bring up the- I think that's good for today. I think this has been a great conversation for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> Great Some we there. went off on a little was, tangent, but yes. uh, we got back on the rails. So, from all of us here at Bo's Podcast, I'm Matt LaFrance. I'm here with Taylor Mitchell and Kevin Valentine and Adam LaFrance, wishing you a very well, I can't say Merry Christmas because we're past Christmas, <laughs> of course, but uh, I don't know. Enjoy the rest of your winter, and we'll be coming to you with another episode soon. Uh, please check us out on YouTube, Facebook, wherever else we are, Twitter. It's still there for the moment i I don't give it much longer but instagram and you can listen to our podcast of course on any of your favorite streaming services so until next time take care we'll be seeing you soon bye this is amy jensen lafrance and i agree with taylor